Hello and welcome to another episode of A Positive Podcast. I'm your host, Razel Schusterman, and today we are going to talk about happiness. Happiness, it's a big conversation and it's something that we are all searching for. If you were to ask anyone around you what the ultimate goal in their lives was, they'll probably answer such things as being rich or getting a new house or starting a family or traveling around the world. And if you ask them, but why? Why do you follow sports so intently? Why do you want to be rich? Why do you want to have 10,000 followers on Instagram? If you ask them enough questions as to why they want to achieve these goals, they'll probably eventually reply to be happy. Happiness is really what all of us are aiming for. People don't follow sports because it's so amazing. They follow sports because it's fun and they think that fun will bring them happiness. People want to have 10,000 followers on Instagram and become famous because they think that will make them happier. Being happy is behind every single human goal. It's our objective, mission, our wish to achieve that something that has never truly been defined concisely, but that everyone seems to aim for. The achievement of happiness and the quest for happiness, the search for happiness, is something that we all have. The U.S. Declaration of Independence even talks about this in the words of Thomas Jefferson, the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's a fundamental part of the American people. So how can something so vague as happiness, which is so difficult to explain by anybody who might not even have the scientific knowledge to realize that there's endorphins and dopamine that's being released, which makes us happy, how can this be everyone's ultimate goal? Some people say that happiness is simply the absence of suffering. And other people claim that it can't be measured on its own, but rather it needs to be compared against other more measurable values, such as money, work, success, stress levels. But as we try to measure happiness against those other tangible values, we find that they don't match up. Not only does more money fail to guarantee happiness, but sometimes it can bring the complete opposite. For some people, having less money means less to worry about. Less to worry about means less suffering. Some people with a great job, which is full-time, with no second of rest or no time to relax, these people can be really happy people compared to some other people who are sitting at a desk with no stress and a very easy job, but not as happy. Sometimes people with no visible stress are miserable. And since happiness can't be measured with more or less money or more or less stress, more or less possessions or degrees and titles, we need to ask ourselves a question. And it's not an easy question, but it opens our minds to a hint of an answer. And the question is, are we wasting our time looking for happiness? Why would I ask such a strange question? Didn't I just say that happiness is what moves us? Isn't true happiness what everyone wants to achieve? To be able to proudly claim at the end of their days, I'm a happy person then why would looking for happiness be a waste of our time? And the question hints at the answer. And the answer is because happiness can't be looked for or searched for or obtained. I've seen a meme about this where there's two people standing together and one of them has the word happiness written on them. And the other person comes over and says, where'd you find this? I've been looking for this all my life. And the guy answers and he says, I made it myself. So the answer is because happiness can't be obtained. We can, we can obtain more money. We can obtain a more relaxed life. We can obtain a safe environment. Sure, those things seems to, seem to make it easier to become happier, but we can't obtain happiness the same way we can't obtain wise or better. It's not something we can have. 
It's just something we just are. We can be happy, but we can't obtain happiness. It's interesting to note that Judaism is very much all about happiness. I'm sure you've heard the phrase, Ivdues Hashem Simcha, we're supposed to serve Hashem with joy, just like we want our children to help us happily or do our, you know, what we ask them for happily or our loved ones to help us because they want to. Hashem wants the same. He wants us to serve him with happiness. And it's interesting. We currently find ourselves right now celebrating the holiday of Sukkot, Sukkot which is also called Zman Simchasenu, the time of rejoicing. So this holiday is all about joy. It says, V'samachta bechagecha, you should be happy in your holiday. And joy is what makes the holidays what they truly are supposed to be. And I personally believe that joy in Judaism is what helps us keep us, keeps moving us. And it keeps our traditions and customs and it moves it to the next generation. Anybody who you meet today and ask them why they're celebrating the Jewish holidays, they'll tell you that they have a positive, happy memory attached to this specific holiday from their childhood, from their grandparents, something that's propelling them to keep this tradition and custom alive today. But I digress. How can we be happy? What's the secret? Let's get back to the happy topic here. And we all know that using external substances to be happy is not going to give us a long-lasting happiness. Alcohol will wear off, drugs will wear off, and leave us actually feeling worse than before. Because if our happiness doesn't come from an internal work and development, it's not going to be long-lasting. Because real joy is about living authentically. And real joy comes from having an attachment to life. So can we be real and authentic and still be happy? Can we be aware of our struggles and yet maintain a joyful, happy life? These are the questions we're going to try to talk about today. So let's start off with a question. What is happiness? If I were to ask you, what would make you happy? Think about that for a minute. When will you be happy? We all think, oh, if I lost 10 pounds, then I'll be happy. Or when my kids stop fighting, that's when I'll be happy. Or my children are grown up and married, that's when I'll be happy. Or when I have financial security, that's when I'll be happy. So what really makes us happy? In July of 2009, there was a conference held in Peru where they were discussing this exact question. And one of the speakers shared a fascinating study that by the age of 10, the average child has seen 1 million advertisements. And in Denmark, on the other hand, which has been rated recently as the country with the happiest people, their country's children had seen way less advertising by the age of 10. And his suggestion was that perhaps our happiness is linked to the crazy amount of options that we're offered. So in short, happiness results when we're at peace with what we have, wanting what we have, not wanting what we want, not having what we want. Think about that for a minute. Wanting what we have, not having what we want, to appreciate what we already have. It's a powerful thought. And if you look back at the study, America falls pretty low on the happiness poll. Even though we are the most prosperous of all nations, we're not very happy. And we're so free. And we, but are we really free? Or are we continuously buying into what the marketers are telling us that we need in order to be happy? Nesquik claims you can't buy happiness, but you can drink it. Dunkin' Donuts promotes a breakfast sandwich as the happiest sandwich on earth. Navia offers a body lotion that says happy sensation. Hugo Boss offers orange, the fragrance of happiness. And Clinique offers a perfume named Clinique Happy. So even marketing guru, guru Earl Puckett himself said, our job is to make men and women unhappy with what they have. That is our job. That's our job of marketers. Because if we're unhappy, then we'll buy into whatever they're selling because we think that's going to make us happy. And it's not our fault. Our brain is wired that way. We are wired to want the new. 
We seek out the latest iPhone because we love novelty. But this feeling is fleeting. Once we have that rush of dopamine and we show off our newest gadget, it's not long before the next iPhone 12 arrives and we want more. We constantly want the newness because we think that's going to bring us happiness. But in order to be happy, we need to first appreciate and be grateful for all the things we currently have. In spite of all the things that we do not have, we need to acknowledge and appreciate all those things that we do have that will help us be happy. Which basically is saying that gratitude is one of the best interventions that we have to induce positive feelings and happiness. And I've been saying this for a while. When we focus on what we have, the blessings that we have, the things that are going right, it grows, it becomes bigger, and we see it more and more. So I cannot talk enough about how important it is to stop each day and to gratitude journal. Write it down, even the smallest thing. Another incredible tool is getting out of ourselves, reaching out to someone who may be struggling, helping someone else out, volunteering, being there for someone else. This in turn lifts us, lifts ourselves up because the truth is that happiness is but one thing, inner peace, menuchas and nefesh, peace with ourselves. And we have this feeling of contentment with who we are and the life we're living and the choices that we're making. When we're loving ourselves and are loving the choices we're making, we're at peace. But this is not always easy, especially when we're dealing with disappointments and challenges. You know, over the holiday, I just finished reading this book called The Gift by Dr. Edith Eager. Her first book, which you probably have heard of, The Choice, was unbelievable, life-changing. And this book, her second book, is really, truly a gift. And this woman chose over and over again to be happy and to survive. And to cho- she chose to be happy. And there's many things that she talks about. One of the things that she mentions that really resonated with me was this one word that really struck me, and it's temporary. She says that we shouldn't deny that it hurts or that it's challenging or very difficult. All that is very true. But keep on telling yourself that this pain is temporary. That knowledge alone is very, very powerful. I recently dealt with my own challenge. I call it my COVID challenge. It was the second time I've dealt with this in the past two months. We had a what we call a possible exposure, which turned out okay, but we were told to get tested and wait. <clears throat> and I found myself going into a very dark place. I started to feel bad for myself and ask myself, why me? Why does this keep on happening to me? Other people have kids in school or in camp or spend time with family, but only I had to keep my kids home from school for another whole week. You know, I woke up in the morning choosing to be positive. I was ready. I was looking for the bright side, being grateful for the things we do have, and ready to take on the day with my children at home. An hour later, the electricity flickered and then turned off. All of my children were home, bored, waiting for me to keep them entertained. I had plans to cook for the holiday, but there was no electricity. My frustration began to mount. I felt that feeling of victimhood creep into my thinking. It was getting harder to stay in the moment and not get negative. And my younger kids began to fight with one another. I found myself lashing out, But I stopped myself and repeated to myself, this is temporary. This is just for a short time. I managed 16 weeks of quarantine. I will get through this. I need to choose to stay in the moment and stay as positive as possible. I need to do this. So instead of saying, why me? I said, what now? I chose a different response. And I quickly transitioned from why to me to what now? And Dr. Eager talks about this in her book. She says that suffering is universal. But victimhood is optional. And even though I've heard before people say that pain is universal and suffering is optional, she kind of does a switch on that. And she says that suffering is universal. 
but victimhood is optional. We don't get to choose what happens to us. We don't. But we do get to choose how we respond to our experiences. And many of us, many people stay in a prison of victimhood because subconsciously it feels safer. We ask why over and over again. We think that if we could just figure out the reason, the answer to why, then our pain would be less. Why did I lose my job? Why did my child get sick? Why did this happen to me? Why did my husband do this? Why did my child do this? Why did this happen to me and not to her? Why do they have it good and I don't have it good? But when we stop focusing on why, why this has happened to us or why it's happening to us, we can start paying attention to what we can do with the experience. Instead of looking for a savior or for a scapegoat, instead, we begin to look at choices and our possibilities. Now, it doesn't mean you have to like what's happening. But when you stop fighting and resisting, we have more energy and our imagination is ready to figure out what now, what can we do about this? But many people choose to stay victims because it gives them license to do zero on their own behalf. Freedom comes with a price. We are called to be accountable for our own behavior and to take responsibility, even in situations that we didn't cause or didn't choose. We still have to step up. So back to my personal challenge for a moment. I'm not saying the situation wasn't challenging or difficult or stressful, but I could see clearly how my response, the way I was responding to all that stress, it changed the experience for myself and for my children and for my husband and for everyone around me. You know, I I keep on seeing this. I keep on being inspired by people around me who are choosing to say what now instead of why me. A family member of mine had plans to be away for the holiday and they soon found out that someone in their home had been exposed and then tested positive for COVID. Their plans were over and they needed to stay home instead of their previous exciting plans. This family member chose to stay in the moment and even though they were bummed out, they chose to make the best of the disappointment and move forward. And I was blown away by their response. Because of how they chose to respond to their younger children, They were able to manage their own disappointment even better. And because they were managing their disappointment, their children were able to manage their disappointment even better. They modeled for their children how one should behave when dealing with a challenging moment. So back to my initial question on happiness. The real question is, what can we do to be happy? Like we said, because happiness is not something we can find, but we can do things to make ourselves happier. And just that question alone opens up a whole new set of possibilities. First, anything we can do sets us in this happy state of being. We could be happy while driving, while cooking, while playing with our kids, or while filing a tax return form. If we're conscious of what we're doing and really experience the whole set of feelings that surround our actions, we discover that happiness is among them. It's right there, wrapped up with everything else. So happiness is really our state of being. It's not something out there waiting to be found and claimed. It's within us. It's intrinsic to who we are, our existence, this whole time. Knowing this, we discover some other interesting things. When we're truly happy, we want other people to be happy. It's interesting to note that they did a study where they told people that tomorrow they could have $100,000 while everyone else gets 40000 Or they could choose to have $200,000 and everyone else around them would get, four, get $400,000 so that they would walk away with even more. And yet, even though it was more money. Most people chose the lesser amount of money because 
They didn't want other people to have more than them. We mistakenly think that if we have more than others, that's what we'll be happier. We waste our time thinking that other people have more than us or they're happier than us. We're busy measuring our insides by other people's outsides. We shouldn't do that. We compare our feelings, how we feel, with how other people seem on the outside. And that's why social media is so dangerous because we think that we see the whole picture when really we're only seeing a small part of it. So the more we make other people happy, the happier we become. When we are truly happy, we don't need anything else. We're content with who we are. We love ourselves. We are able to be in the moment. And the more we live in the present, and the less we'll need, the happier we are. So lastly, when we are truly happy, we find that there's no need to obtain, to possess, to search, because happiness is all inside of us. In fact, it is us. We just need to find it, expose it, and build on it. And I invite you to join me on this lifelong journey of asking yourself, what now, instead of why me? Wishing us all a very happy end of the Chag. I'm Rizal Schusterman.